Naaman goes before the king and gives him the letter, and the king is really surprised and goes, well, I can't do this. I can't heal you. And he kind of gets all really upset and thinks that the king of Syria is paying him out or trying to rustle up a fire, and the king gets really upset. What happens then? It's a bit of a long story. What happens then is that this, this great prophet called Elisha hears about the king being upset and says, King, pretty much, stop whinging, stop whining, send the guy to me. Send the guy to me. So Elisha is this incredible prophet that does some of the most incredible miracles. If you want to read First, Second Kings and, and a bit on into the New Testament, you'll hear some incredible stories about this man of God who just believed that God could do anything. And so what happens is that uh, Naaman is sent to go visit Elisha, and he knocks on the door of Elisha's house, but Elisha doesn't answer him at all. He actually, Elisha sends a messenger to him and says, you need to go to the Jordan River, dunk yourself seven times, and your leprosy will just fall off. Pretty cool, hey? Imagine we had like a baptismal tank here. If you were sick seven times, I'd do it for you, that'd be fine. And then you'd be well, how good. Most of us would be like, I'll be right with that. Maybe some of us would be like, oh, where are my good church clothes? I don't want to get them wet. But you know, most of us would be pretty keen, let's get in the pool. But Naaman is a proud man and he gets really upset over a few things. One, that Elisha, the man of God, would not even speak to him face to face. He sent a messenger. Really upset about that. Second thing he was upset about was, why do I have to go to the Jordan River? Ew, the Jordan River, Why? It's a great name for a river, great name for a son. It's just a good name if you're having a baby soon, Jordan. It actually, daughter or son, it works. Think about it. Very versatile name. At school, people reminded me that it can be a girl's name, and they, they told me that quite often. But anyway, I digress. It's a good male strong name. Why do I have to go to the Jordan River? Why can't I go to Damascus where the rivers are closer to me? They're way cleaner. This is what he's saying. Why do I have to go to that river? Why do I have to go to where you want me to go? Why can't I go back home to the rivers that are cleaner? Why do I have to come here? And he actually walks away from Elisha's house. He's heading back home. And it's so interesting that his pride actually is allowing him to walk away from the very thing he so desperately needs. I wonder tonight... In all the things that are going on in your life, are you walking towards healing and wholeness or perhaps are you holding back? We see in this story that actually Naaman had some stuff going on within him, some pride within him that actually was taking him further away from what he desperately needed, not closer to it. Luckily for Naaman, he had some good friends. He had some friends with him, as you read on in the story, and they tell him, hey, why don't you just do it anyway? (laughs) Pretty much stop being such a baby And why don't you just do it? If the man of God says do this, why don't you do just that? And we read on this story that Naaman kind of just sucks it up, deals with it, and he goes down and he dunks himself in the river. And on the seventh dunk, I don't know how he dunked himself, by the way. I don't know whether he falls backwards or he jumps off the bank of the water or what. But either way, he, he dunks himself seven times in the water. It must look really weird. But on the seventh time, he gets up, and all the scars, all the spots, all the deformities just melt away. And he walks out, and he's clean. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this story. One, it shows me something about the heart of God. What it shows me is that God's heart is to help people. God's heart is to heal people. God's heart is to to clean people up, because life kind of scruffs us up, 
life kind of makes things a little bit interesting and God wants to come in and breathe life into our situation because Naaman was not someone that God really, like there was in the Old Testament, there was good, but there was God's people and then there were not God's people. God had a select few group of people, his nation of Israel that were his people. Jesus came along the scene and made all of us his people, praise God, but he was classified as a Gentile, someone who was not part of God's family and actually someone who was beating God's people in battle, killing God's people in battle, but yet his heart was to set him free. It shows me for you and me today, whether you know God and love God or whether you know nothing about God and you're here because someone dragged you along, God's heart is for you. It's for your benefit, it's for your healing, it's for your wholeness, it's for your cleansing. So just take heart in that. That God, we here, have here written in black and white that God cleansed this man who was a rebel of God, someone who just was not doing the things that God wanted him to do. That kind of shows you and me that even though we might have incredibly bad behavior, we might live a very interesting lifestyle outside of Sunday, God still has a heart to heal us, but it does show us that there is a process. And I don't like this. I don't like the word process or structure or discipline or routine Anything that isn't instant, I just don't like it. Except instant coffee, I hate it, because it's of the devil. I'm very pleased I can look over in the back corner and see this beautiful espresso machine. It makes me so happy. Barry, Kelly, what on? Because, yikes, instant coffee, it's disgusting. If you drink it, what's wrong with you? Honestly, wow, it's really bad. We need to pray for you. Anyway, again, I'm sorry, instant coffee is bad, but God doesn't seem to always work instantly in people's lives or in the way that people think God should work. Naaman had a a simple thing that as he was uh, at the door of Elisha's house, he said to his friends, I'm frustrated. Why won't Elisha just come out, praise his God, literally, it says it in here, wave his hands and fix my problem. And I don't know how often you and I approach God going, why won't God just wave his hands and fix all my issues? And I wonder whether you're here and you're like, I don't have any issues. Well, we need to pray for you as well because you do. Uh, Maybe ask your partner, ask your mum, I don't know. Someone will tell you that you have issues and we need to deal with them. But God isn't just going to snap his fingers or wave his hands and fix what's going on in your life. There's a process. It's not instant. And the process for Naaman was to go down to a river that was not his favourite river, a river that he classified as a dirty river and dunk himself in it seven times and he was healed. And I wonder for you, whether you're here tonight and you've gone through a season, I'm just kind of, I don't know whether God, this is God or me, but I'm just wondering tonight whether you're here and you've been hurt by God or hurt by what you thought God was supposed to do. Maybe you prayed for someone or you prayed for a situation and you were convinced that God was going to come through because you're a person who believes in the Bible. You believe that God can heal people and you've been praying and praying and praying that God would send breakthrough into your life and then it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, whether you've been hurt by God in that way. Maybe you've been let down because you thought God was going to do something and then he didn't actually do it the way you thought he was going to do it. It took longer, it was harder, it was more uncomfortable than what you thought it needed to be. And I wonder whether you're hurt tonight by God. I want you to know that God's heart is for your wholeness. God's heart is for your cleansing. God's heart is that the things that that the life has, has put on you, God would take off you. 
in John chapter 10, verse uh, 10, I pretty much quote this every time I preach because it just kind of perfectly sums up Jesus' mandate for life. He says that the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But then he says, but I, Jesus, have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This church has a mission statement. That was Jesus' mission statement. He said, I came, I am here, I have done what I've done, I am who I am so that you might experience a good life. A life better than you can ever imagine. A life better than you could conjure up for yourself. A life better than what your great ideas could amount to. Like, that's pretty good. But often what we read through Scripture is that it takes time. I hate this message. I'm sure you hate this message too. I'm so sorry. It takes time. There's a process. There's obedience. There's steps of faith. Naaman had to go from his comfort zone to the Jordan River. He had to step out in faith and in frustration and dunk himself in the river. It was not what he thought it was supposed to be. And often what God will do is he'll take us from a place of comfort, he'll take us from a place where we feel safe, and he'll move us to a place where we can be healed. He can move us to a place where we can find wholeness. He'll move us from a place of comfort to a place where we deal with our issues with God. Because often our comfort zone is exactly where we feel comfortable with our issues. We have to move from the place of comfort to the place where God is calling us to. And that's scary. I want to just share a little bit more about myself, if that's okay. I like to do that. Um, I have a beautiful wife. I married her because she was gorgeous, and that's the reason I did it. I don't have anything more to say about that. But we got married, and, and then about six months into our marriage, marriage was great, honeymoon was awesome, moved into our house, things were going really, really well, and then Steph got sick. Like, it started out like a cold and a bit of pain here and there, and instantly, Pastor Jordan to the rescue, I'm going to pray. We're just going to, we'll fix this. This will be a 24-hour bug. This will be fine. And we prayed, and nothing happened. And she got worse and worse and worse, and it just, we kept praying and praying and praying, and just nothing seemed to budge. Like, it just seemed like everything was kind of just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And we've been married two years now, and for about two years she's been sick, you know, and she's lost, like, she's unable to work, unable to drive much, and in amongst that, nothing has tested my faith more than that. Going to Bible college, that's whatever, you know, going through financial stuff, whatever. Like, you know, dealing with friends from school, what, like this, this has rocked my faith more than anything else. Like when I became a Christian, my parents were so displeased that I became a Christian, I had to move out of my own house to just to get away from that. And I thought that was really hard and really rocked my faith. That is nothing. I'll do that again in a heartbeat compared to what I've been going through with Steph. And it just rocked my world because I believe that God can, can heal Steph and God can do amazing things and it can happen in an instant. But for some silly reason beyond my knowledge, it hasn't. And I'm learning more and more that God doesn't work like this. God works in a process. God works in time. God works in small steps of obedience. And friends, it's broken my heart. It's been incredibly hard because life is incredibly hard. If it isn't hard for you yet, just wait. It'll get hard. Something will happen because we're in a broken world. Things happen. Stuff happens. Things hit the fan. You know what I mean? Like, things go wrong. Just wait. (laughs) Isn't it a great, really hopeful Sunday message? I'm glad you came to church. 
I just want to be honest with you. Don't, don't be surprised when things go wrong. Don't be su- Jesus says, don't be surprised when people hate you because of me. You know, this is how it's supposed to be. Things go wrong, but what do we do in the middle between when something goes wrong and then something gets made right? What do we do in the gap? And friends, I feel like I've been in the gap for two years. Praying and praying and praying, and there's some nights where, you know, Steph says, can you pray for me? And I go, yes, of course. But in my head, I'm going... Can I be really honest? What's the point? Is what I'm saying. What's the point? He hasn't done it yet. He didn't do it yesterday. Why, why would he do it now? It's, it's absolutely rocked my faith. But why, why do I tell you this? Because there is a process, and in that process, we need to learn to live in, in the middle. Because in the middle, there are things that God is doing. In the middle, there are, are great blessings. In that struggle between where you are and where God wants you to be, there is a beautiful process. And it's hard and it's grueling, but it refines you and it grows you. It's in that process you learn who you truly are. You're not who you, you're not who you are in good spaces. You are who you are in crisis. If you want to know who you really are, your real character, it isn't you when everything's going great. It's you when everything's gone wrong. When people, when people get like, really angry, like, sorry, I'm really stressed right now, that's not who I am, that's exactly who you are. You are who you are in crisis. So take note of that. Who are, who are you? Where are you at? And then ask the question, God, where are you calling me to next? Because so often we get caught up going, God, I want you to fix things instantly. I want you to fix things automatically. I want you to do things now. I want you to be my genie where I just kind of rub the lamp Three wishes and we move on. I want you to be a God that is at my disposal, not me at your disposal. So I wonder where you're at. I wonder whether you're hurt by God or hurt by life. But I want you to know Father's heart, that he is for you. He wants the best life for you. He wants you to grow and to flourish. And when life throws stuff at you, it breaks his heart. But in the process of you working through it, God can do amazing things. I've seen some great signs in Steph's life. I've seen some great things happen because she's getting better. I wish I could just jump up and down and say, she's getting better, she's better, it's all over. No, it's a process. But I get to celebrate every day when she can do a little bit more. She took a train trip on her own yesterday to the city. That's a win. In the process, in the middle, in the grind, I take that and I celebrate grows my faith, it stretches my faith. I don't want you to be disheartened because in the middle things aren't working out like you thought they would. Naaman learned this lesson and he set out in faith. He did the next thing that God called him to. I wonder for you whether you've been sitting back waiting for God to fix your issues when God is actually pushing you forward into the next thing to do. If Steph and I just stopped our lives for two years and did nothing then we would have missed out on so many opportunities of the things that God wanted to do. Life does not stop when things go wrong. Life isn't over when things go wrong. God wants to work through that with you. So I want you just to take a moment, and this is hard for some of us, it might be easy for some, it's right there on the surface, but what's going on for you? How's life going? For Naaman, he could see it. It was literally on his skin. His nose potentially could have been falling off. It's hard to miss that, you know. But for you, where, where is life, like how is, how is life now? How are you now? How is your heart? How is your soul? How is your faith? How are your finances? How are your relationships? Take a moment. Let's, let's just, for once, let's allow ourselves to feel 
Sometimes we get so busy and so instant in our world that we forget to feel what's going on right now. Why don't you just check yourself? Where are you at? Are you, are you praying into your life right now? Are you saying, God, what is my next step? God, how do I get out of this and how do I get more into this? When was the last time you prayed prayers like that? God, literally, what is my next step? For Naaman, it was to step out in faith and to go to Elisha's house. His second step of faith is not to turn away forever, but to come back and to listen again. His third step of faith was to get down to the waters and look at what he would call as dirty waters, but what he didn't know was the Jordan River was a place of promise and breakthrough that God's people would use from, for, for years to come as a place of breakthrough, a place of crossover. God took him to a place of crossover where people would literally cross over into promises. It was an amazing place, and he had to step there out in faith and literally get into this water. I know, in his good church clothes, into the water, and then dunk himself seven times. I would imagine if I was in the water, I reckon I'd go backwards, like baptism style. I'd kind of cover my nose and just kind of flop backwards. I'd do it once and check, nothing. Again, and I'd get pretty tired of it after that, you know? fish swimming around, it's, you don't know what's underneath the water, what's going on. And then I, you know, seven times to dunk yourself before you'd see God's breakthrough. This happened for God's people at Jericho. They had to walk around the city seven times. That's tedious stuff. Seven days, seven times, if I remember rightly, my Bible knowledge. Yeah. Seven days, seven times. Last day, seven times. Once every day, last day, seven times. Very confusing numbers. I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. Um, it is, God wants to stretch you. God wants to see whether you are faithful to his call. Does God put the bad things on you? No. Did God put the sickness on my wife? No. There's nothing in here that indicates that. There's nothing in the Christian faith where God will inflict something on you like that. But what God will do is he will call you to step out in faith into the process of healing, into the process of wholeness. But if you are not willing to step out of your comfort zone, and this is the word that kept coming to me as I was preparing tonight, was comfort zone. We, we're so good at relaxing in our comfort zone that we're not willing to step out into what God has for us. So I wonder tonight whether you're willing to start the first step. I would love, if I get you all to stand up, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but if you all stand up and raise your hand if you feel like this, is, this message is for you, great, I'll pray for you and... It gets dealt with. Wouldn't that be great? You'd invite me back every week. You might even sack Barry. I don't know. It would, just, it would be, if it was that effective, gee, I'd make a good case. Anyway, getting sidetracked again. We, we're not, that's not going to happen today. You know, it might. God's good. But more often than not, God will call you to step out in faith and to do something you don't want to do. This is key. Something you don't want to do. Something that calls you to step out of who you are and to trust in God. Because here's the thing. The issues that you have, the situations that you're in, whether they're physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, whatever, mental, whatever, they are because of the life that you're living. They're because of the world that we live in. It's nothing to do with God. So what we have to do is to actually detach ourselves from who we are and what we find comfortable, because often our comfort zone actually comforts some of the issues that we live in. And to go, well, God, I need to go from my way to your way. I need to actually divert from what I think is best because what I think is best has got me to here today. 
And I need to now go, what are you calling me to? What is the path that you have for me? And to trust that. And friends, that hurts a lot. But it's the only path to wholeness. You will not get healing. You will not get wholeness. You will not find life in abundance if you do it your way. Because your way has led you to here. God wants you to lead you to there. So tonight, I want you to consider, as we start the, this clean series, it's great. That, how many weeks? Four weeks? Fifteen weeks? The whole year? Anyway. This is week one. This is the starting point. And all we have to do is today is to make a step of faith, to begin a journey that is not resting on what we, what we think is best or on how we think God should work, but actually seeking God and saying, God, what do you have for me? My whole faith changed when I realized that God wasn't a God that I need to ask for him to catch up to where I was. I used to think that I was moving so fast and I was such a great Christian that God had to kind of catch up with me so we could do some cool things together, you know? My whole faith changed when I realized that God was calling me to a better way. That I was on this path doing my own thing, even doing godly Christian things my own way. And I was like, God, why don't you come? Let's go. Let's do this now. And God's like, you're not even on the right path. You're doing things in your own strength. You're doing things your own way. Why not do things my way? And then I realized when I'm on God's path, God is before me and God is behind me. God is literally pushing me saying, come on. We have more to do. I want you to know tonight that whatever path you're on, whether you, you, you believe you're on the path that's leading to life or whether you're on a path that's kind of designed on your own, that God has greater things for you and it takes a step of faith. Because God's heart, we, we read it black and white, is that you would be clean, that you would be whole. But we have to be willing to do things, not in our time or in our way, but in God's time and in His way. So all I want to do tonight so I'm closing up, is just to facilitate a time of prayer. Just a time of prayer where you can be honest with God. Like this should, we're in church, we should be able to be honest with God. And not just lay our burdens before him. Sometimes we kind of say these, these church words, I just lay it at the foot of the cross and I move on. We, we bring our whole self to God and say, can you fix this? We bring our whole selves to God and say, God, what is my next step? I'm struggling financially. What's my next step? I'm struggling in my relationships. What's my next step? My faith is, is just so weak and shaky right now. What is my next step? I'm struggling in this area of sin. What is my next step? How can I get out of this? And what you'll learn is God always has an exit strategy. God always has a way out of the things that you've got yourself in. Just hear that. God always has a way out of the things that you've gotten yourself in. And today, all we have to do is be honest before God and go, I don't expect you to do things my way. I want to do things your way. So why don't we just in this place, just, just bow our heads, close our eyes. It's just a moment of prayer. If you don't like praying, that's okay. Just close your eyes and have a nap. We'll be over in a sec. I want you to really seek yourself just for a moment. Just to take a moment just consider your life, consider all the things that are going on. Sometimes we have so much going on in our lives that we struggle to really process that. We actually struggle to even feel emotions. We actually get so busy sometimes, we, can't, we actually feel numb like there are no emotions in our life and we're actually quite concerned about that. 
or we feel so stressed and overwhelmed, we have no idea what it means to be at peace. Or sometimes we're so caught up in a sinful life that we actually do it so often, we even start to question, well, is this really a big deal? We have no idea of the the repercussions in our life. Sometimes our our relationships with people are so toxic, we don't even realise what they're doing to us. We don't even realise how other people are affecting us or how we are affecting others. Tonight, we're just going to give space for you to just reflect upon your life. Where are you at? Are you okay? Shouldn't just be one thing we do once a year on a day and we ask the question, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you well? And now I just want you to ponder on this question. Just to ponder on this question. Is this the life that you died for me to have, Jesus? Is this the life or is there more? Is this the life or is there more? Just reflect on that. Just believe in this moment that God is just revealing some stuff to you. I just believe in faith that right now, in this moment, God is revealing some stuff to you. I'm not going to call you to let it go. If anything, I want you to grab hold of it. Don't, Don't forget it. God is bringing something to you, something to your mind right now. And it's significant. Don't let it go. I want you to ask God, what is your next step? Just be aware of your emotions. If something bubbles up, then let it bubble up. Just feel it. Like, let's not worry about the person next to us. Just feel what, what comes to the surface. But just believing in faith that you don't need someone with a microphone to tell you what to do. God wants to speak to you right now. Come, Holy Spirit, speak. What is the thing that God wants you to deal with? And what is he calling you to do? We often think that God does certain things and we celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ and all our sin is, and all our troubles are gone. That's a very good theological statement, but the nitty-gritty of the faith is actually to listen to what God is calling us to do and then to have the faith to actually do it. He doesn't just call us to have a good life. He calls us to a way. He says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He calls us to a way of living, and that way of living calls to obedience. What is God calling you to right now? And I believe it's specific to you. The person next to you doesn't have, is not hearing what you're hearing. This is you. Just, just listen. What is God calling you to? Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person that's here in this room tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that speaks, that you're a God that speaks powerfully and profoundly, that your heart beats true and it beats for us to have a life of abundance. It's for us to have a life that's worthy of your death, that you call us to have a great life, that the things of this world actually won't cling on to us because we're walking in such a way that they just don't have an opportunity to. And that if they do, that it's in your light, it's in your goodness, those things do just melt away. 
because we're living a life of obedience, that when we stray, you actually seek out us. You, you run after us and you bring us back. And Lord, tonight, I just have a sense that you're bringing us back to something. You're bringing us back to a flock. You're bringing us back to a place that, that you're wanting to position us in an environment of healing and an environment of cleansing. Lord, this is a, a season of cleansing that you're bringing us to something new because we've strayed from the path. So, Lord, I just thank you for the words that you've given people tonight, the words to come back, the words to, to obey, the, the specific words of how do I get out of this mess I got myself in. And, Lord, we're sorry for the times that we've thought that you'll, you'll act and do things in a certain way above, like, what we think or what we, what we would want you to be. Or if, if we were God, this is what we would do. We just, we just repent of that. We say sorry. And rather than trying to put expectations upon you, instead of just trying to, to make you do the things that we want you to do, Lord, we want to seek your way. And we want to seek your goodness. Because, Lord, your heart is so clearly for us. Your heart is for our growth. Your, your heart is for our life. Lord, give us the faith tonight. Not just to hear your word of encouragement, not just to hear your word to step out in faith, but to have the faith to do something with it. To not settle for a life anything less than the life that you died for us to have. Holy Spirit, would you be our leader and would you be our guide? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, as we were praying, I just kind of, I said I was finishing, I'm not, I'm sorry. Preacher's trick. Psalm 23. Beautiful psalm for funerals, you know. It's just like a beautiful way to kind of finish a funeral. But it, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because your rod and your staff, they they comfort me. And it kind of just struck me as we were praying. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting image because the staff of the shepherd was used for a few different things. One, it was used to defend off animals. When something would come and attack a sheep, the shepherd would use what was in his hands to defend off attackers. But also it was a staff that allowed the sheep to be slightly manipulated and pushed and led. And, and as we kind of get our heads around that, the heart of the psalmist, what he's saying here is that even when I go through the hardest times in life, the valley of the shadow of death. I don't fear any evil because your protection and your leadership comfort me. Isn't that interesting that what happens is what God does, he takes us out of our comfort zone into the real world, into the darkest places of life, and what he wants us to do is not to pluck us out but to lead us through it. I want you to know tonight that whatever you're going through, God wants to lead you through it. Because through it is the place of blessing. Through it is the place of character being developed. It's, it's through the valley that we become the men and women of God that he's called us to be. It is when his staff is our protector and our leader. We have to allow him to lead our lives. Because if not, we're just lost sheep in a valley. But with God, we are led out. I want to encourage you tonight. Whatever God has shared with you, and I just believe that God has shared something with you, and if he hasn't, keep asking. Don't just ask once. Jesus shared a great story of a persistent widow that pretty much nagged someone to tell him, what he needed and what he was kind of saying in this parable google it later the parable of the persistent widow it's a great parable was saying just keep asking keep nagging god because he is faithful 
and say, God, how do I get out? Ask them again, how do I get out? What is the way? Maybe seven times, maybe 40 times, maybe 100 times. God, what is the way? Don't give up because the life you're living now is just but a glimpse of what God wants to give you. We need to be people willing to be persistent. But take what God has said to you tonight and do something with it. Maybe after the services, grab a friend and tell them what God has told you. Get someone to hold you accountable. Get someone to help you. Get someone to pray with you. Don't let the things in your life that are here now be something you just settle into and go, well, this is all my life is. I'm just like my parents. I'm just going to be like my friends. This This is just how life is. When we kind of fall into that trap, we lessen the life that we could have. We rob it of its power. Jesus died at Easter. We celebrated it a week ago so that you could have an amazing life, that your life would shine in such a way that other people would see your life and go, well, it's not perfect, but there's something about it that is just so attractive and it's not just your beautiful faces. There's something about your life that attracts people because you're living a life that is true. So don't settle. Don't settle for now. Don't settle for the issues you have. God wants to work through them with you. So I hope that you've been encouraged. I'm going to invite the, I presume we have a song to sing, so why don't we just get ready and engage in worship one more time. I'm sure it's going to be a cracker song, but why don't we allow this song to be a song that we respond to in faith, be a song that we actually really sing. There's a, there's a way in which you can sing and there's a way in which you can really worship. We're going to worship God for what he's done tonight and what he's, what he's going to continue to do. So I want to encourage you. Why don't we, we really lean in and see what God wants to do in this next song. Thanks, Tim.